A man walks into the National Theatre. You're barred, says the doorman. No, says the man, but I'm here to talk about him with two ladies off of TV's Doctor Who. It's Who's Round. bit of a hiatus from Who's Round because I see my children grow up but this one has been over a year in the making so I'm going to ask my two victims to now finally tell me who they are and why I'm talking to them about Doctor Who. Hello I'm Linda Clark and um, I played Mother Blood Tide in the Shakespeare Code episode. And I am her sister I'm <laughs> Amanda Lawrence and I play Doomfinger. Yes. Now, one of the reasons this has taken a while is because there's going to be there's three of us instead of normally it's me with a one-on-one. So you two are still in touch nearly ten years after doing yes. the episode. Had you known each other before? No, no, no we met each other in the canteen. When our, was it a costume fitting? It was when we went for the costume fitting. Yeah, yeah. and it, we clicked and, yeah, been together ever since. Stayed <laughs> friends ever since. Yeah. yeah. It's a funny so. business like that, isn't it, where you're just thrown, thrown together with somebody and... I know, I know, and sometimes it can feel a little bit like hello, goodbye, you know, but I think we really wanted, we, it was a very, you could read from the script, it was a tight script, the sisters had to get on, it was a very, and uh, yeah, when we met we just completely... We, it, we just clicked, didn't we, and it, yeah, it just, lovely. you know, and it's just say, stayed like that ever since, you know, we, we've kept in touch. I mean, we can go for months because, I mean, Mandy works a hell of a lot. Oh, I don't know. Bless her. Oh, quite Recently. <laughs> but, but... You know, but we still, even, you know, when we do get to meet up, it's, it's just like it was last week, and it, but with just a lot more to catch up on. Sure. So We see each other's theatre work. Whenever anyone, yes. either of us is in a play, or yes. directs the play, as Linda yeah. has, I'll go and see it. So yeah, so we, nice. I mean, yeah, it, it's lovely. We, just, we do like to support each other, and it's, you know, so, which is wonderful. So what led to that fateful meeting? How did you both get the parts uh, in Doctor Who? Do you want to go first? Okay, okay. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go first. Um, I did hear actually on the grapevine what happened. They had already auditioned people for for the parts of um, Mother Blood Tide and uh, and Doomfinger, but in actual fact they felt that maybe the voices need to be slightly older. They were maybe thinking that they'd auditioned people that were younger. So um, that was when I got the call, which was absolutely lovely, to, to go and audition. And um, it was, it, it was, there was Phil Collinson, the producer, um, Charles, Charlie, Palmer. thank you, love. Yeah, Charlie Palmer, the, the director, and uh, Andy Pryor, who was the casting director, and they were all there, and it was being, being videoed. And, uh, yeah, it, it seemed to go okay, and Charlie was saying, oh, you know, can you do it a different way? Can you, and he said, oh, dear, am I not doing it right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it was it was great, and and then the the joy when I actually got the call to say that you know I got the part because to be part of of the Doctor Who family is is something special. So yeah, so that was how how I heard. And I just got uh, I with my agent. I got a phone call saying, "Can you audition for Doctor Who?" Like, yes, <laughs> and um, yeah, and it was very exciting reading the the script. Actually, just thought this is really good because the Shakespeare's you know, the Globe Theatre mm. and the theatre linked with that, and mm. that was very exciting. So yeah, I went for it, 
and um, yeah, went up to Wales. I think we had to audition in Wales. Yes, yeah, in a hotel. Yeah, yeah. And um, but I really enjoyed it. It was Phil, Charlie, and Andy. Yes. Again in the room, and it was a nice, yeah. nice feeling between the three of them. I felt quite creative and played it a few ways, and I really enjoyed myself. And what was weird is I went to Bretton Hall College years ago and um, I walked in a room and Phil went to Bretton Hall College years ago and we recognised each other and, uh. and it was, so we both went bright red oh my god hello <laughs> uh, yes yeah, so that was really lovely that was really lovely um, and um, yeah and then I found out the day after that I got it so thrilled absolutely yeah yeah well and does and have either of you worked with prosthetics before because that takes on that that, that was... I had once before yes I, I did um, a student film uh, which required prosthetics and um, wasn't a terribly comfortable experience because that was a full head, mm. full head prosthetic. Um, so, I, yeah, I had had that experience before. I must say the, um, the experience of doing it with, uh, with Millennium, you know, oh, was, was much brilliant. nicer. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember the first time I was absolutely freezing because it was obviously done, you know, I was in somebody's kitchen having it done because it was a student film. Oh and I just got... Um, the glamour. Of, oh, yes, the glamour joy. of it. I just got sort of a, a black um, bin bag, you know, sort of <laughs> round my shoulders. And that was absolutely freezing. And, of course, it takes a while for, for it all to set. So, um, yes, yes. But the uh, the Doctor Who experience of having it done was much much better. Yeah, it was my first time with the Doctor Who experience. Have prosthetics. I, I have to. I, I I really didn't enjoy it. I'm not very good being in confined spaces, and that felt just having heavy stuff on your face was a little bit panicky. But yeah, no, it was fine. But in terms of acting under a prosthetic. Uh, I mean, it's always hard enough when you think you're doing something with your actual face and then you see it again and you go, oh, I didn't quite, mm. or that wasn't quite what I thought I was doing. It must be totally different when you've got another layer of face that isn't yours. I found that, because it, it was so, the prosthetic was so good. Mm. If I just moved my eyes slightly, the whole prosthetic was so tight, tightly fitting to your face, so well done. It just came with you, so whatever you did, it came with, it. it so even if I just narrowed my eyes slightly, it was actually... It showed a lot of subtleties, but it was also really freeing. So you could be incredibly um, theatrical, maybe at some points, yeah. and um, playful, very playful with it. I found it quite freeing. It was it was a bizarre, a, a bizarre thing. As soon as they put it on, they stuck it in, and then you start moving your face in front of the mirror. Uh, for me, anyway. It's, oh, totally. It's 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 amazing. I mean, they when sort of the first lot goes on, and it's a bit like. Um, a balaclava helmet going <laughs> over over your, you know, all the way rolled down all over your face. This synthetic material, but which was absolutely wonderful because, as, as Mandy says, it it did, you know, it was glued it was glued to your face, and but it, every muscle, everything absolutely moved amazing. perfectly. It was absolutely, yeah, it was absolutely mm. amazing, and you, yes, you did because you, you forget you've got it on, but the great thing is. Uh, you you know you like you say it's very freeing because you you know you're straight yeah. into that character with all that with all the false teeth and the it helps you find the character and, oh very much it's so very given actually. yeah and I mean you've only this character. you've only got to look at your hands which mm. have which have been all sort of made very knotted and veiny and broken fingernails and and things like that and it, it's 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 beautifully done it really is I mean it took four and a half hours from mm. from start to finally having the wig 
you know, the Very wigs cool. on and, and ready, yeah. and uh, to get that to get that all on. So, yeah, and, and the makeup artists were amazing. They, they were so lovely. We had quite a nice time actually sitting chatting to them, didn't we? Well, it's interesting because the tenor of these. Um, podcast is quite often because I interview very few people from the newer series because Russell frankly knocked off most of the stories for me because the initial task was to get an anecdote from every story okay. um, so a lot of the tenor of these conversations that I have is um, oh it's not the same now you used to be able to rehearse you had a week's rehearsal you got to know the cast and everything suffers now because it's so quick now obviously when you were making Doctor Who, it's the way that television is made now, which mm. is not a week's rehearsal at the BBC Acton, rehearsal rooms and uh, the producers run and all that mm. sort of thing and doing it in bits and not a, as a continuous mm. run. So do you feel that acting is and creating a part is, is harder now or do you think there's rose-tinted spectacles? Do you mean on television? Yeah. I think that it depends what the drama is. For, for example, with Doctor Who... It was so given what it was. It was so, um, the relationships were so clear. There's no deep, 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 deep. You, you can create that on, stage, on, on the set and be playful, and, but it is what it is, if you, if you know what I mean. It's a certain, I'm not saying it's shallow in any way, but it's a certain type of drama. But if I was to do um, a big, deep drama with um, family relationships, that's an ongoing, episode after episode where you're really having to delve into stuff you need to have I need help mm. I need to have a I need to sit down with people I need a director to talk me through so I need more time but I think that's for me but I think with a yes. with a doc, with like Doctor Who where you're on one episode and it's very what it, what it what it is and it's very playful as well you can you can do it you don't need that rehearsal time I don't think it was such a great script as well mm. it really was and um, I, I think just starting from that was amazing because there was a there was a lot of, lot of humour in it which was absolutely brilliant. You could be playful. You, as you say, you could yeah. be very playful with it. And, uh, you know, just just starting with that, with, with a brilliant script, we had time because we did stuff together, we were staying in the same hotel, so we did have time to go through our lines yeah, we practiced, together, yeah, you know, but... sort of in the hotel. But the lovely thing was, I remember the very first day we went on set and they said, come on, we'll show you your your room our world your, yeah. our, our little world yeah. and and you know they showed and it was absolutely marvelous mm, very detailed you know yeah. that the set that they'd got for, for our little lair was absolutely brilliant mm. and that helped mm. that helped no end you know yeah. to see to see that you know where these the place these people inhabited and it was it was great it was absolutely brilliant well, unless we forget, he's gone on to, he's, he's now sort of regarded as, um, you know, the most successful Doctor Who of all time, but it was early days for, for David Tennant, so, so how, was, how was he finding his feet uh, playing the Doctor? Well, he was running. He, we were... <laughs> he, yes, he hit the ground running. And, yeah, he was... I, he's a very d- fine actor. He's a, he, he's, know, he's he's a terrific actor and such a lovely man. He is such a lovely man. He but we really never is. met him out of our prosthetics. So I remember one day he went off. And we've been on, we've been working together all day, and he went off, and I, and I had my prosthetics off. I went bye then, David, and he looked at me he's like, "Who the hell are you?" <laughs> uh, not not in a rude way, but he was kind of like uh, lifted his eye because he didn't know who we were. No. In the end, I got photos, didn't I? You one did. of you, you one did. of one of me, and we pinned them on our costumes. <laughs> so so we said, "This is what we really look <laughs> like." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was a good idea. Yeah. And I did that once because I, I saw, 
in Cardiff and I, I saw him in, uh, I think in the local sort of Sainsbury's. Tesco's or Sainsbury's. <laughs> and because I went up to him and said, hi David. And again, he was very polite thinking it was a fan. I said, oh, it's Linda. Linda, I, I'm blood tight. So he said, oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, and so we had a nice little chat. And he, again, very approachable, really nice guy and an extremely good actor, a mm. terrific actor. And does, does being in Doctor Who, uh, does it have a certain kudos now within the profession? Is it, is it, is it, is it a high point on a CV? I, I, it all depends, I think, if the people looking at the CV are Doctor Who fans. I think if, you know, if, if some people are, you know, oh, wow, you were in Doctor Who, how fantastic. And um, others not. I think it does. I think it does have a certain kudos, I think it actually. does, whether you're a... Doctor Who fan or not, I think people go, yeah, even if they don't like Doctor Who, well, because they know it. They know yeah, it. Iconic, yeah, no, you're it's right. It's iconic. It's, yes. it's, gone, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an achievement. You, know, you did a role on Doctor Who. You, yeah, you know, no, you're right. It's recognised. Yeah. And it's quite an, it's quite an actor friendly script, isn't it? Because it's about Shakespeare. It's set in yeah, the theatre. That was a We loved it because it was, you know, because, it, and on top of that, to actually have two night shoots at the Globe as well. Mm. I mean, the atmosphere at that place yeah, in, the, in the early hours of the morning when we were filming was absolutely wonderful. And of course, the great thing is they actually recreated it, didn't they, down in Cardiff? Mm. They, mm. they recreated the stage of the Globe and everything. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and as, as, as people of the theatre, what do you uh, take of the... I remember when they said they were doing a Shakespeare story, I thought, well, what Joseph Fiennes type of actor, uh, you know, what handsome young actor are they going to get to play Shakespeare? And they reinvent him as a sort of Liam Gallagher of rock mm, and roll type. Mm. Of, I mean, uh, was that what you expected? No, no, I was really shocked. <laughs> I sort of imagined his mum like straight, you know, the, the slightly balding and, you know, the, and there was this sort of good-looking dude, and he, but he was really... He, he just did it. He just liberated it in a different way. Got yeah. us to see it in a different way, um, which I think Doctor Who does a lot anyway. Just relook at things, look, turn, turn the, sub the subject around, turn it over, and look at things differently. So I think it, 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 they did that with William Shakespeare because we have such a fixed view of William Shakespeare. I mean, so that was that was really cool. It I was thought. because they said, well, the idea being, you know, he was a young man. Mm. He wasn't that older mm, man with the mm. with the bald head and no, everything. He wasn't he, not always like Yeah, and they said, you know, they wanted him because of his time, he was the equivalent to a big rock star, mm. and so that is, that is how they wanted exactly, they wanted yeah. him played. And and I mean, he played beautifully by Dean Lennox Kelly. You know, mm. he was absolutely brilliant. Well, look, let's, we've got all of time and space to play with, so let's move away from Doctor Who and tell me about your, I think, very different journeys to, to where you got to be in Doctor Who, to, to becoming actresses and what, 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 what were the feelings behind it and was it always going to happen and so how did you go about it? Do you want to go first, Lindsay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I take a time. <laughs> no, it's one of those... I'd always wanted to be an actress, even since I was a little girl. Uh, then you grow up, get married get divorced <laughs> you've had kids and you know and life takes on a, a different a different thing um, then I met the man who was to become my second husband and uh, he was absolutely brilliant and we I started to once the kids grew up a bit I started to do amateur drama and that sort of fulfilled a need to a certain extent somebody then said to me have you ever thought about going professional and I said yes in my wildest dreams but um, but then the seed was sown and um, Tom my husband said well look if that is what you want to do then come on let's see if 
way of you doing it. So a friend of mine also wanted to sort of um, get his equity card, so we formed a little cabaret duo called Hokum and Harmony. And, uh, and we sort of um, toured sort of old people's homes and all that sort of thing, doing, doing our little show. That got us our provisional equity. From then on, he went off and did his thing. I did mine. I managed to get... Um, a, a fringe play and then a tour and it sort of de developed from there. I did quite a few tours of plays, I then did rep seasons and and then the occasional television came in and it just built up gradually. But you know I was a very late comer to the business but, um, but I've now been professional for 25 years and, uh, and I've lived my dream. Great. <laughs> Um, I yeah always loved doing drama but I never thought about being an actress and then I uh, applied to do occupational therapy in Exeter because I grew up in Devon and um, what happened basically I saw a prospectus in at school at Sir Breton Hall College and I looked I just saw these pictures of people in a drama studio and leg warmers and ski pants I went oh my god I want to do that and so I uh, to the horror of my mum and dad I said I'm not going to do occupational therapy I'm not going to go to the place I had I'm going to um, try to not to be an actress to, to do drama therapy to do drama for three years and become a drama therapist and then in the first year of Breton Hall I just did loads of plays do loads of that they just throw you in try this part and I just wanted to act then and so then I just did that and then it when I came out I, I stopped with a theatre company for a while and I got paid nothing for nearly 10 years I washed up in cafes and um, did a lot of that stuff to get by um, little bed sits living in London and then and then I had a bit of a break ten years in I had no agent ten years in I um, I got I got auditioned at the Royal Court which was my big break basically with a company called Told by an Idiot and and uh, Richard Wilson directed it mm -hmm. and and um, it went really well an agent said oh my god let me let me take you on and it just grew from there so yeah. Well, yes, lest we ignore the fact that you talk about being without an agent and you're now with Curtis Brown, who was yes. Agencies Go. Are, yes, you know, they are fantastic. Huge, so. I'm, yeah, I'm really lucky. Now. And, I'm, and I'm with um, Sarah and Grace, and there are a pair of women that work at Curtis Brown, and they are fantastic. And it's great because I've had a child in the last four years, and they really understand. And it's just, they just get it. And so you walk into a room and say, I'm pregnant, and you have this anxiety. Am I gonna? Is this everything I've built up for, and all the dishes I've washed, and <laughs> is it all gonna? Uh, and they're just like, take it on your own time. We'll keep, we'll, off, we'll keep offering you everything and put you up, but only when you're ready. And that's so worked because they were liked and understood. There was no like, oh dear, about mm. it. Nothing. They were really, really fantastic. So I've been, I've been very lucky like that. And so I've done little bits. So I did that when I, when my baby was um, five weeks old. I auditioned for Miss, Mr. Selfridge, and um, I did one day a month on Mr. Selfridge. I'd go in and be play this part called Pinball at Lady May's um, sort of personal servant, and it was uh, and I was breast breastfeeding on set, they'd, and they'd say, "Right, ready to shoot." Hand the baby over to my partner, and shoot. You know that Brilliant. where the business opens up a bit, mm. and you say, "Oh, this is okay, actually. This is okay." And then doing a play, I did a play. I did three plays last year, all in rep, so I could come and go back to the. It's, it's, all, it's really important, I think. As a, mm. I never knew, I never knew until having a child, mm. 
where you think, oh, this is all going to close down. But if the, if, the, if the buildings or the companies work with you, if they want you, they'll really try and make it work. So that's been a... That's been an opener, and I'm going to start my eight shows a week. I'm going to start a new play at the Young Vic. Um, I'm doing a play called Once in a Lifetime there in October, November, December. So that will be my first proper Big eight shows. Yeah. But that comes with its anxiety, but I think if you know the theatre companies or the, the building is going to work with you, then that anxiety lessens and you can make it work. But, so that's been a bit of a strange curve in the journey. Well, I think you know one forgets that as a as a bloke, it's a hard enough business as it is. But something like, but because it's a business based on momentum, and you only get a job when you've got two other <laughs> when you're resting two other jobs. Yes. The idea that you break that momentum to have a child. Yeah. Um, must be you must have to weigh up. The yeah, because as an actor, you think you always have to be available. You always have to be on. There's nothing's a problem. Yes, I'm free tomorrow at eleven o'clock. For, you know, there's this, and it and it and it become more immediate now. You can get phone calls and they want you to read these four scenes and go tomorrow afternoon. And it's, you know, you just think, I, I, how am I going to do that? I, I, you know, and it's, it's money to get somebody into, you know, and so on. So it's, and also I, I would like to bring up my child. I don't want lots of people. I want it to be me or his dad. So it's, yeah, you know what I mean. You mm. don't. I don't want to hand over. And it should be. It's very much in discussion at the moment, actually, in the theatre world, particularly. Um, there's a few companies been set up. I think it's uh, Prams in the... Oh, I'm going to say it wrong, but there's some companies set up to help bringing the baby or bringing the toddler into the space. Um, That's brilliant. Yeah, I mean, not into this rehearsal room, but that there no, is a crash. There is crash. facilities that if you come in for an audition, there's, That's great. there's yeah, yeah. experienced people. It's not... So, yeah, so... It, it, to lessen that anxiety and to make you still grow as an actor but you have a child and that's that's growing as well and and that feeds into your work mm. you know as you know so it, it's it's been an interesting arena for the last four years on that I mean I suppose it was different when you had your babas but well they they were sort of they were much older when I decided to you know to, yeah, you to go professional of... so you know the, that that was that opened that was up later. Fine, that opened up later for me, but you know, and that was having a supportive husband who mm. often yes. been away. I mean, his job used to take him away a lot, and I did say, well, you know, you do realise if if I actually, you know, something actually happens with this, I could be away touring. Is there a world we cross that bridge when we come to it? But I didn't drive then, so he took great delight in being my driver. <laughs> so, you know, he was always there to take me to all the different places. I'd get home every weekend, you know, when when from tour, and uh, and then he'd take me away again to whichever was the next venue on the Monday. So, you know, he he was then all part and parcel of it. So he was wonderful support and it's inspiring for the family I think if you have somebody then going off to do their dreams or doing their oh. that can be really inspiring for the children even though you have great yeah. anxiety as long as you have a balance you're not mm. constantly I think that can be really inspiring within the family to go my mum or my dad they have this you know it's creativity which we all have Mm. And I think that's really great to let that. I mean, you said it wasn't in your. Sorry, you said it wasn't in your background, didn't you? Not, and your parents were no, quite no, no, non, no. nonplussed. No, no, it, so. they were like, "You're, you're." An, I mean, all the love in the world to them. They were like, "You, you fool! What are you doing?" They wanted me to be a teacher or occupational therapist or do something where it's a regular wage. And I, I am someone who rents and struggles with the rent, and my partner's a writer, and we struggle. 
and we've had to move out of London a couple of times because we haven't been able to pay. You know, it's been not easy. You know, I've not been like, I'm not glamorous or, I'm, you know, I'm not like, nothing came very easily. Mm. I thought, I'm not that it depends on looks, but it, I'm a particular type in the acting world. Do you know what I mean? About yeah. sounding strange about it. And I look back and go, was that the right decision sometimes? But I, it's not a question. I had to do it. And I've, it's been a wonderful journey, but it hasn't been easy. But no. we yeah. don't all live mortgage-free in North London with big kitchens. No, no, no. I, I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. I'd, you know, I wouldn't mind. But um, it, it's a particular way, but it's a chosen way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I could change things tomorrow. I could go, look, I'm going to go over there and do this sort of. Mm. But I've chosen it, you know, so I have to embrace it. You know, and uh, it's a creative world. Well, I, talking of that creativity, and because mm. you've both had very eclectic um, arrays of work, what have been sort of creative high points where just the job that you were doing, you felt it was good work, and you actually enjoyed the experience? Well, most of um, most of the stuff that I've done has been sort of quite. <clears throat> for want of a better word, quite middle of the road. You know, th- there's been no sort of great. Shakespeare's or anything like that, which actually I would love to have a go at Shakespeare. Yes, it'd be brilliant. I really would. Um, yeah, there's a couple you, you, of there's a couple of parts. Say audition, say look, I, I know yes. the man. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. 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 He, rec- he recommended me. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you know that I, that would be an ambition. Um, but I and if really I would have to go to the plays that I've done, which I would like to do again, and. Um, one of them is um, Cabaret, the musical. Oh, yeah. Where, where Fraulein Schneider, I would love to do that again. And um, and Mrs Danvers in uh, in Rebecca. And that, that is a, a part that I did years ago, which I would love to do again. So, in a sense, I suppose, because I'd like to do them again, they were my high points. But I've, I've done lots of stuff which I've really enjoyed. I mean... The thrill for me was when I actually got, as, as well as uh, Doctor Who, I actually got Coronation Street, and I got a Christmas episode of Coronation Street playing Marcus's mum, and I was thrilled to bits because I've watched Corrie right from right from the start. And Have you? Oh yeah, I saw the first episode. God, that dates me, and <laughs> and I've loved it ever since. So to actually get a part in Coronation Street, you know, that was a real high point for me brilliant so um i i think it's interesting because i think it's the group of people that you're with can really even if mm. if, the, if the play isn't that isn't happening or the public don't like it if you're with an amazing group of people mm. I, I, so the, i've done some things where the play has been great but the the journey with these people I, and i'm still in touch with them and i've had some amazing that have actually been a a joy in, in, in that way but um, I, I've always wanted to work with Mike Lee since I remember seeing um, uh, Life is Sweet and uh, I couldn't believe what I was watching it was an argument be- between the mother and daughter I couldn't believe what I was watching it was so real to me I think I was probably 14, 15 and I remember thinking that, that, that is it kind of thing that, that, that really excited me in a proper way and so I worked with Mike Lee on Mr. Turner, Mr. Turner yeah. and, um, and uh, to meet him, to audition for him, to do a little rehearsal and then to do that day's filming was uh, quite a thing, quite a thing for me, you know, so that was, yeah, really wonderful. I did, um, and I did, uh, I, I loved working at the Globe, I, I've done a few plays at the Globe and that was a joy to do, because to, to, to work, 
the, the play changes every day because the crowd is so lively. So that that's been a real joy. And um, I'm just trying to think. There's so there's, well, I've your, been very I mean, lucky. Your, your very CV lucky. has some. Mike Lee's not the only mm. huge director on it. Um, I mean, some of the the work you've done on screen has has you know you've you've and you've done movies as well. Yes, yes. But often with the movies, I was talking to Mike Lee about this. Like, so I've worked with Luke Bessel. Yeah. And I came in and said, basically, the doctor will see you now. And that was it. But it was incredible to meet him and so on. But it was a very particular thing. Whereas with Mike, it was um, a journey. And, uh, yeah, so, so, yeah, yeah. And with big movies, it's quite frightening. Whereas with Mike Lee, it didn't feel frightening because he worked with you intimately. Mm. But you, you didn't feel this kind of, you know, gulp kind of thing yeah I'm just trying to think if that's I mean I've had I've, I've had a really happy time I'll tell you one that Mandy did which I would love to see her do again and that was called Jiggery Pokery and it was a one-woman show and it was all about Charles Hawtrey you know the carry-on character and not only did she play him but she played all the other characters in it as well mm -hmm. and it was an absolute tour de force it was absolutely brilliant and it's it's one that I would love to see again because yeah. it, you know it I mean, did you enjoy, I would say it must have been exhausting it was, it was fantastic that was a real that was yeah. going through some oh, being up doing a one woman show, a one person show I mm. mean on your own I mean you know it's kind of I find it quite lonely but you 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 really grow or you go through some walls with something like that I, I think. think I'd have rather done it playing a part though yes when I did mine I was essentially I was you know yeah. talking to the audience it's quite with, naked isn't yeah, it I, yeah I, I mean the idea of playing Charles Hawtrey who was a fascinatingly complex yes yeah yeah, yeah. I mean and that was interesting because a lot of people wanted to see Charles Hawtrey the happy the funny and I was actually massively exploring um, alcoholism and and dementia so there was a, I played his mum just as much as I played, and that relationship, and um, and that time, that world, the world of Britain in those, in those days, and so, so it was quite challenging. It was quite difficult, and it, and it was interesting with some people in the audience. You could see them going, "This is not what I was." I think you're going to do the catchphrases. Yes, and, and yeah. I did do them, but it was kind of tragic as well. Yeah. So. But I, I, that was a real. Oh, that, that was, was amazing. A, oh, thank you. But it was. Yes. I don't know. I, I, yeah. It was. It was a. When was it that? Because a couple of times you've been nominated for Evening Standard. I got best nominated. Yes, yeah. 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 And do those things? I mean, do those things help? I don't. I don't know. The wrong. It's on my CV, but I don't know if everyone goes. I don't know. It's. It's. I don't. Uh, it was amazing to go along and have a lovely lunch, lovely, you know, a glass of wine, and all of that. It's lovely to be surrounded by some amazing people as well on, that, on the evening of the nomination you know we all get, gather together that was amazing I've never done something like that before so uh, but I don't think it changes anything because everything's so here and now in the you know you do that and then you go and do that and then then you it, it shifts and changes so quickly oh but I don't, it's, know. It, I don't know it's an honour though isn't it really it's, it, oh it's, no I mean I was very yeah, no I'm, I'm I know you're not sort of um you know I'm sort of putting it down but you know I mean it, it is uh, I think to sort of get an, a nomination it's nice to be look you we know, saw to, you we, we saw you and we it. thought you thought you were great so therefore we yeah. want to nominate and you. it was small venues it was for home it started in homotopia this um, uh, gay lesbian transgender festival mm -hmm. up in Liverpool it started there and then it went on a small tour and it ended up in a studio in Battersea so to get to be to know that people have come group, yeah. yeah and to know that people from the 
bigger side of the industry, I suppose, have come and seen it. It's encouraging. They come to small venues. It's nice to know. Well, then we're in a we're in a big venue. We record this at yes. the National Theatre, where you have, yes, where you have played as well. So yes. you know uh, that must be that must be uh, quite a thing to be you know playing in. Yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely here. It's great. It's, it, and it's just changed hands at the moment. Well, about a year ago now, with um, Rufus Norris has taken over. So it's all exciting. It's a real shift in the program, and that, it was wonderful with Nick Heitner as well. It just shifts. It just changes, and it's, uh, there's different colours going on, kind of thing. Yeah. Again, it's interesting when you when you talk to actors who were working thirty, forty years ago. You know, they they say, "Oh well, I chose to do a bit of telly, or I chose to do a bit of theatre." You know, and say, "You know, which do you prefer, telly or theatre?" Well, I do telly when I needed money and theatre. It strikes me that now we we don't choose to do anything. Have you ever had a point where you've had to really weigh up between one job and and, a, and another, and your career could have gone in a different direction, oh. or is it not as planned as that? Um. I think there's been a couple of things where I've I've committed to a theatre project and then a, a, a bit of film has come up. Uh, that's been a big film. That's happened to me not so long ago. Mm. And I just went, I've committed to the theatre. That would be really... And, and I'm so glad that I did stick with the theatre because it's a different journey and actually very interesting people come and see you. and you, So that has happened a bit, but there isn't much choice. I mean, when it happens, you just, I don't know, well, you do it. I, I think, well, also, it's what you... Especially if you've already committed to something so you know and that that could be that's that can be very tricky you know and you can sort well, of see yes yes yeah, you can see that in the distance sort <laughs> yes. of thing oh I could have had that yeah, but um, but I suppose it's in some ways it's a sort of a nice position to be in isn't it yeah, yeah. you know well you know I've been offered three jobs you know but um, and you hope that the one that you're with is is mm. the one that that really works out and it obviously did mm. for you mm. that time mm. oh, that's lovely when we talked about the famous directors, but you, I, you, I, you're the pri- first thing on your showreel, Linda, is you working with, you can't tell he's very young because he's fully made up, but very young. I, th- I think it was his first show, wasn't it? Peter Kay? It was Peter Kay. What happened, he did, um, he did a, a, a thing on, I think, I thought I saw it on Channel 4, and this was way before he was well-known, called The Services, where he played That's every right. single part. Yeah. And then, obviously, sort of people thought, oh, hang on, you know, this is this guy could be good. So then on, he went on to make a series, six different episodes with a different character in each one, and uh, it came out under the umbrella title of that Peter Kay thing. And uh, the idea being that one of those characters was going to be turned into a series. Mm. Now, I, I, uh, I was in the one called Leonard, which he, in which Peter played the, <clears throat> the oldest paper boy in Bolton. And it was really good, but I thought, it's never going to make a series. And actually, that was placed on a... Uh, it was based on a real person, because I, I read in his biography. And, of course, when I, when I saw it, I thought, well, it's either going to be the bingo hall or the, the club. And, of course, it turned out to be the club, which was Phoenix Nights. Um, but, yeah, it, it was really lovely to work with, with Peter. And he was, he was so lovely. You know, he went over lines with me and everything, you know, and he... In fact, when even at the he was there at the audition, and I had been given sent two pieces of script, uh, neither of which was for was for that particular one. So we went through the two pieces of script that I did, and then he said, "Oh, he said I want them to try that one for Leonard." So it was just a complete cold reading to to the um, to the video, and. Um, and that was the part I got, which was lovely because it was a big part, and uh, it was just so great to work with him, you know. And it's amazing people, 
I've seen people since or met people and said, you were in that particular episode. And you think, they've remembered that particular episode, you know? Because they really liked that episode because it was something a bit different. And I think maybe it was the fact that it was based on a, a real person might have made the difference. But yeah, it was, a, it was a joy to work with and to work on. And you enjoy comedy? You did uh, You did something co-written by someone I know, but uh, oh. Dead Boss, Holly Walsh, I know. Well, I was going to mention that a minute ago, that, that, that when I did Dead Boss um, with Holly and Sharon Horgan, that was the most playful. I, w- I was paired up with um, Ed Hogg, an amazing actor, and um, I I felt so free. It became, re- it was the first time ever I felt really, really playful, because it was a series. So we, we got to really play over the episodes and that mm. was that was great fun I mean uh, we had we laughed so much doing that and um, so I got to start I started to improvise in front of the camera which I had never where you start I start getting inventive and playful and that that was that was that was really lifting the thing off the top of my head I just this is amazing but that was being paired up with being in a very safe comedy world being paired up with Ed you start you know, when you start right. feeling something going off someone, mm. you know. Um, it was brilliant, so I loved that. Yeah, but um, I love comedy. I feel very comfortable in comedy. The 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 thing at the Young Vic once in a lifetime is a comedy, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and of course, Bretton Hall, where you studied, produced the League of Gentlemen. Yeah, they left when I started. They just left. I think they were doing the radio, and and we went up to Edinburgh to see them do some theatre of their stuff. I mean, they're incredible. They are incredible. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, real, real, real proper guys. Yeah. Well, before I ask about the future, I suppose we've asked about the highlights. And the, but, but, but what, what, what are the, what are the toughest things, or what have perhaps been the, the most difficult things you've had to face in what is, after all, a, 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 a tricky profession? Being out of work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as far as I was concerned, I did a, I sort of bowled along quite nicely from um, from doing I, I, I toured for a long while with a um, play called Girls Night Out which was mm. did really well uh, we did I did several tours of that they then brought out a sequel Girls Night Out in Ibiza not didn't do it in Ibiza sadly <laughs> but um, but you know and they 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 did very well so I, I well you know I sort of it's usually like a spring and an autumn tour and um, and then you know which so you knew that was coming up and then I would be I've worked with Chaplin's pantomimes at a small scale touring company which have been going for well over 20 years I started out with them as an actor but then I've, I've done casting for them I've directed for them so there was always that you know so it was each year for quite some time and then of course I did rep as well so I did three years of rep in Colwyn Bay and there was always knew there was something coming up and then all of a sudden the recession hit and then your job in an actor found it difficult to get work because obviously people thought well you know there's not that much money about people will only come out to see names and and this is this is what happened so for quite some time there wasn't a lot going on at all and you know you thought oh you know I was busy I was kept constantly busy in a really nice way and nothing's happening now and mm. it, it was a little while before things started to to build up again so you know luckily it has over the past couple of three years I think it took quite a while but over the past couple of three years things have started to to build up so so yeah it's 
I think it is mainly it's the being out of work and wondering, you know, if you're ever going to be working again. Those sort of moments prompt you to make your own work. Oh, you do. Oh, you, you're so never, you, you don't stop. No, you're but you can, if you're waiting by phone and all the actor, wait, you know, waiting, what, you know, and you're getting anxious about your age and all sorts. You know, it's those periods that where you should start to make your own work or you pair up with somebody, go, what about this? And you've done that. I did jiggery pokery. Yes. I mean, yeah. But you did. Um, you've done your. You've created your own work. You've got well, together. I, well, I, I'm, yes, this is it. You know, I've made had my own little company, and um, I toured again for quite some time with two. Uh, well, first of all, it was with Jim Cartwright's two, and then um, then I started to get other work, and then sort of out came my company Fourth Wall again, and more recently with two one-act plays by a writer called Jeff Saunders, a very good writer, called uh, Benny's Funeral, Manny's Party. They were two one-person, one-act plays, and uh, the first one, Benny's Funeral, had a male actor, Paul, Paul Chittleborough, and, um, and the other one, Manny's Party, was me. And every so often we would bring it out and, you know, just tour it around very, very small theatres, but it was just so nice to actually be getting out there and doing something. Stretching your muscles. Yeah, yeah I mean, you didn't make any money, but you were just yeah. out there doing it, you know, and that, that was that was so good. And, um, and yeah, actually, the play that I'm in at the moment is, is very similar because that was uh, a play, it was, called, it was called Broken Strings, and it was done just as a workshop, just a, a, we just did it for one night six years ago, and, uh, but I'd always loved it. It's a, it's a two-hander, one-act play, and it's, it's such a lovely play. And um, all those years, you know, I've always wanted to do it again, and Joe Wenborn, who wrote the play, um, he's... He's always wanted to do it again, and it, it's very—it's finally come together. And I'm at this as we speak. I, I'm actually doing it at the Tabard Theatre with Stephen Arnold, who used to play Ashley in Coronation Street, and um, and yeah, and he's actually just been uh, nominated for an offie for his part, you know, um, off West End Theatre Award for his part in the play. So. Yeah, you you sort of you do make your own because I magic. you do yeah you know I I'm saying to Joe we do want to do this again don't we? <laughs> <laughs> it takes an energy, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes, yeah. So. yeah. I don't. I think I think yeah, being out of work can be really the same really as what mm. Linda said is that it, it, you know if you're not doing anything you, you it creates yeah you just got to make your own magic or start I mean I, I remember there was a period of time I wasn't working for a while and I set up a reading <laughs> we play play reading night you know so mm. uh, you, you do the bits of teaching all the bits of other work to keep the, the rent coming in and then you um, and then you try and keep the creative side going by let's all gather and read a play that we've never read before or let's all you know what I mean I know it sounds no, no, but no, it's just something to keep the, the machine oiled, keep, yes. yeah, yeah keeping you awake you know vital and seeing bits of theater and just keeping keeping yourself awake in that way well i have to say ladies from an objective observer if uh, if the length of time it took us to get this together <laughs> is to go your your careers are both in rude health uh, <laughs> thank you sir. so okay the final final furlong of this is firstly if we were to meet again in 10 years time i said so um, you've you've had a brilliant ten years. If it could have been the ten years you would envisage for yourselves as as as, as working actors, actresses, I don't know which you prefer. That's I, a, I honestly don't mind. Whatever you fancy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm of the generation where it's. I still think actress, and I really don't mind either way. But uh, yeah, if we meet in ten years' time, what would you? What, what things would you have done that you, you would have been really happy to have done? God. I would have loved to get 
a part in a soap. Um, EastEnders, Coronation Street. Um, a, because I, I love those two soaps, and it would be lovely to actually get a character going. But um, also because it does give you quite a profile to do other work, you know, especially yeah. theatre work. So, yes, I would love to get a, you know, sort of quite a nice, you know, have quite a nice stint in a soap. And also, I would, over that ten years, it would I would have loved to have played the parts that I mentioned before. Fraulein Schneider in Cabaret, um, Mrs Danvers in... In Rebecca and and also hopefully I've done some Shakespeare. Watch this space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I would love to carry on, carry on as I am but uh, I'd love to maybe it'd be nice to get some parts where you can really go on a, a longer journey sometimes it, I mean on, on telly or film where you can really you're not at the moment I sort of come in and they're lovely roles and come in and go out again but to go on a longer mm. journey uh, with a role would be would be great, but um, just to to carry on bringing the pennies in and having a creative, fruitful time. Yeah. Well, uh, we're hopefully going to bring the pennies in for a couple of charities because we've yes. all done this for nothing. So, what are your what are your charities, ladies? Um, I think for me, it's the it has to be the Alzheimer's Society because uh, we're this is an ageing nation. People are living longer, and unfortunately, this awful disease takes over a lot of older people, some younger. And um, if anything, any any research that they can do into this that can halt it, stop it, delay it, would be absolutely marvellous. So yes, the Alzheimer's Society. And mine would be the NSPCC, for sure. I just think it's an ongoing situation mm. out there with children and um, to get these problems out there and revealed and help this amazing charity to really help lots and lots of children who are in a particular situation, there's very desperate ones, um, I, I think would really feed our society and really reveal stuff and get stuff out there and um, do a lot, lot of healing. So um, NSPCC are fantastic, so yeah give to them as well. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure they will because they're a good bunch. Well, uh, the, only, the final thing is this, this podcast is nominally convened to talk about Doctor Who. Uh, so what is your message to the Doctor Who fans who will have been listening to this? Thank you so much for your continued support. We've met lots of people at conventions and signings and you're all absolutely wonderful. To, for you to, to be so into this programme that you that you take your time, spend your money to come and see and to come and see us and to uh, to support this this wonderful show. Thank you very much. Oh, I can't. Yeah, I think I echo that. <laughs> That's beautifully put. I echo that yeah. completely. Yeah. yeah, they're absolutely brilliant. Well, uh, for your time, ladies, and uh, uh, and taking uh, actually timetabling it so that we could do the two of them together because I, I also think I always think that's much more fun when you've got a bit of a dynamic yes. so uh, it's thank been you. great fun thank you very much thank indeed you, Toby it's been lovely brilliant I hope that was okay for you thank you it was really enjoyable oh good good flew it's by I think that's that's what's going to make it that's what's on there's no back to do it for you that's Thank you to Linda and to Amanda. Linda and I batted forth available dates 
honestly for about 18 months um so i'm so glad we finally got to do that and it was uh due in no small part to uh Linda's sort of patience and continued organisation and, and, and getting the three of us all together. Since then, Amanda's had a big part in a Star Wars movie as well, which I was delighted to see her uh, crop up playing quite a hefty role in The Last Jedi. So that's good. Um, their charities are uh, Alzheimer's and the NSPCC. So the NSPCC is easy, nspcc.org.uk. Uh, the Alzheimer's Society is... Uh, www. Would you still do that? I don't know. Uh, Alzheimer's, which is A L Z H E I M E R S. A L Z or Z if you're from America. H or H if you don't know how to say it properly. E I M E R S. Alzheimer's.org.uk. Um, there'll be another one of these next time. Thanks to Ian Atkins, as ever, and to Paddy um, for getting us all out there on social media. And um, follow me on Twitter at Toby Haydock. Do all the usual stuff, but just be nice to people. Take care. Bye. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. Excusez-moi, this place is so busy. Would you mind if me and my friends joined you? Pardon, monsieur? At your table. Could we share it with you? Ah, oui. But of course. Your accent is very... French. Oh, oh, do you mind if I drop it, though, Chuck? Oh! <laughs> it very exhausts me keeping it up. <laughs> Doctor Who. Muse of Fire. Modelling for painters, eh? Me? What do you reckon? Who was this mysterious woman? I don't know. Was she young? Old? It's hard to say. There was something youthful about her. She was mischievous. She was glamorous, too. She had this strange hat on and dark glasses. Oh, yeah. Blind, was she? Yeah, cheers, Ace. By the way, Professor's found some kind of mystery to investigate, so he's happy enough. There is wild time. So... We meet yet again. Do your worst. Consider the battle lines drawn. You'd really chuck away our old friendship. If needs be. So, so be it then. It's war, Doctor. I need to understand more. You want me to take down my black veil and show you my actual face? My face? is quite inhuman. I wonder what you would make of it. No! Which one shall I choose? Big finish. We love stories. That's your tracker, right? What are you tracking? Something I need to track. I've got the signal. Come on, Ace.